Good morning. So it is part three of three today of Popular Diets Explained, a little New Year um, series. I thought I'd do is I get a lot of questions on what's the best diet, not to mention that the best diet is the one that you can do. And I'll, I'll repeat this as many times as it's needed. The one that you can do for long enough to stick to it. Not that it has to be the same all the time. It will evolve. And you might use many of these from all the ones we've discussed already, from the blood glucose monitoring to gluten free to FODMAPs to vegan diets, there might be elements of all of them, to fasting, um, which I'm going to go over today, which I didn't put in the in top of it. So I'm going to start with fasting today. Um, I'm going to start with fasting today. So fasting, um, it became quite popular with the 16-8 model, so 16 hours of not eating, 8 hours of eating. Now, the benefits, of course, of this are that it's a strict rule, so that you know, in the, for the next 16 hours, there's no morning shower, there's no temptation to snack. There's no like, oh, I might have a pick of that, pick of that. It's just a very dead straight rule. And a lot of people like rules without even really admitting it. It gives a structure, it's a bit like working, right? I'm working these hours. I'm gonna work these hours, then I'm off these hours. It gives people routine. The the downside of that, uh, before I go into the downside actually, some of the benefits of that is, uh, there have been some benefits in terms of blood glucose control. Um, Some people in terms of digestion seem to like it better. and obviously weight loss because you're shortening the, the period of time eating so that the premise is without calorie counting, without doing anything like that, you should potentially be able to eat less. Morning, Sarah, but that's not always the case because as we know, in those eight hours, you can put away quite a lot. You could have quite um, calorific food in that eight hours. And that's that's one thing I'd be wary of a bit. And if you have a background in terms of binge eating, anything like that, it can exacerbate that a little bit. So I'd be wary trying something like that if if that was you if it almost gives you permission something to consider we had a, a researcher in uh, called navid from uh, oxford brooks university um in our in our private group for a q a on fasting he researches fasting and one of the things he said one of his really liked this piece of advice was that when you break your fast make sure you like don't just break it with like you know high calorie high fat high sugar foods it's got to be like good fiber good protein just to because when you haven't eaten for a while, your postprandial response, your response to food might be a bit more sensitive. So if you have more carbohydrates, that spike might go high. So he's very much saying, have a lot of fiber, have a lot of protein foods, that's gonna fill you up straight away fast. Um, and then that might help the next day out. So of course that's a tool, but again, I wanna put this out there that you know, on its own, it's quite rigid. Oh, what about I'm eating that for lunch, just gonna ruin my 16-8, I can't go for lunch, John, sorry. You know, we, we want to be that flexibility. So it might be that you use it in certain areas. You can play around with the hours. Be quite flexible with it. And it's probably going to work better for you that way. Um, the next one we are going into is the um, carnival diet. So uh, this has become actually more popular than you could ever imagine. Um, for many reasons, lots of Instagram, TikTok sensations. Uh, and it's basically just eating uh, meat. So it's like very much meat only diet. And, you know, some, one, some of the benefits are that it's probably the most um, hypo allergenic diet. Like it's the most exclusive diet, if you like, you know, when people look at, oh, am I allergic to this and this and this? It's, it's a very exclusive diet. So people may see benefits from that in their digestion, bloating, things like that, because their fiber levels are very low. They're cutting out potential allergens, potential intolerances that they might have. Um, and, you know, there's some anecdotal things about people experiencing certain improvements in conditions, how sustainable it is. I'm not too sure. And I'll probably stop it about that. Um, 
And then we go into more keto. So keto is kind of lower than 10% carbohydrate. So again, this is quite a strict um, way of eating. It's low carb, but some people will describe the carbohydrate intake as net carbs or total carbs. And what they mean by that is net carbs will be the carbs minus the fiber. So what I like about that is it means that you can eat as much fiber as you want. Uh, whereas they just count the the, the, to- the normal carbs, like starchier carbs, which I think is quite a good way. So they'll subtract the fiber away, um, which at least offers the potential for someone to have quite a high protein diet, lots of vegetables, which in essence is pretty good, right? It's going to keep you full. You're going to get lots of minerals. You're going to get some nutrients in. You're probably not going to be deficient in much doing it that way, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm not really sure of the... Massive concern. The one thing I would say is if you're following quite a um, high volume training program, like you run a lot or you're trying to train for a big event or you do long, long sessions in a gym, your performance might go down a bit, potentially, because you're constantly using your carbohydrates in sessions. But if you're doing you know, three sessions a week, four sessions a week, five sessions a week, maybe they're half an hour, they're kind of in out, you can definitely get away with that. And your goal is weight loss. Um, you might not even see a difference. Like I do quite short, sharp workouts. You might not, you might not really experience a, a problem there. So again, though, I'm going to caution with that flexibility. Can we have a bit more flexibility around it? Like if you can't stick to keto one day, that's okay. Just, you know, be a bit flexible around it. Know that calories are still the king. Like the main goal of this, the main benefit of keto is it's, it's just really good for your hunger and, this allows people to lower their calories. But if you're eating out or whatever, you can go, you know what, I'll keep my calories the same, but I just raise my carbohydrates, lower my fat a bit, then I'm good. And again, like just being wary of the fat content, like there's ways to do a keto diet of like lots of good fats like salmon and oily fish and nuts, seeds, olives. Then there's a probably a worse way of doing it, like creams, butter, um, uh, saturated, lots of you know, trans fats and junk. But there's that balance, which is key with that. So uh, that is the keto diet. Going on to um, the paleo diet and clean eating. So paleo diet, if you've, if you've never heard of this, this is about eating a little bit like a caveman, like our ancestors. The, the problem with this is the science is quite picky on it. It's like scientific when it wants to be, but then not when it doesn't want to be. Yeah. So, you know, you think, oh, we need to go back to a paleolithic times. They just literally ate whatever they get their hands on. Basically Labradors. Um, and that's because like when you can't go, you know, think how lucky we are now just to go to the supermarket and go, yeah, I fancy that today. I fancy that. You know, the only thing we can't really get is a prime energy drink, whatever is going on with that. Um, but the interesting part of this is, is, you know, depending on where they lived, they would eat different. So some would be lots of berries. That would be like a, a fest. Some would eat honey for a time being. It'd be very seasonal. Sometimes they would eat meat, of course. And yeah, it was, and, and the whole you know, nose to tail thing as well, like organs and all of that. Um, basically, though, paleo diet and clean eating is very similar. It basically limits like probably gluten, uh, refined grains and processed foods. So the premise of it is pretty good. Like, I think it's easier to de- define by saying what you can't eat, which would be like lots of grains, uh, like gluten grains, really like pasta, bread, um, as that would be seen as uh, like more 
um, newer farming methods, if you like. Whereas things like um, rice would be more acceptable, but then like mainly uh, meats, eggs, uh, fruit, vegetables. So, you know, the premise of it, but the words they use sometimes like clean, you can't, it's quite restrictive. There's, there's not, there's very black and white rules with this, which I think can put people in not the best position to make the best choices. So, um, long term, that is, and they get very into, I'm either on it or I'm off it. So you just got to be wary of that. It might be, you know, that's where that, you know, Dwayne Johnson comes in with the rock with uh, his cheat days and stuff. And you got to remember that he's on a very strict diet and a very high volume training program. So he's exercising a lot. Morning, Joss. So that's that one. And then I want to go into the uh, Mediterranean diet. And the Mediterranean diet um, is one that has lots of research on, but the definition, if you, if I was to say now, everyone in the comments, write down your definition of the Mediterranean diet. I reckon there'd be quite a lot of similarities, but quite a lot of differences as well. Like when, if you went into the detail of like how many portions of red meat, how many portions of legumes, how much fruit, how much veg, how much oily fish, like it, it can be quite difficult to how much red wine, you know, <laughs> it really does depend. Um, so the problem is with researching the Mediterranean diet is that, you know, generally the premise is lots of legumes, lots of fish, uh, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, um, a few portions of red meat. It's very balanced, uh, a week. Uh, yeah, very balanced, but it's very difficult to achieve. And the problem with that, it's almost the opposite of some of the others, like fasting a bit, is Everything is in moderation, which is important for some, but not for everyone. Some people really thrive off that. And, you know, there's lots of research on certain genes that people have and also the environments that we live in to make it easier or harder to do that. Um, you know, if you're someone who we've got to be strict of ourselves on this and go, you know, everything in moderation. What is moderation? Let's define that. So and I wanted to make this as balanced as possible because I could quite easily sit here and go the Mediterranean diet is the best for everyone. The research shows that. But. You know, we see a lot of people who almost just don't like the amount, the, the, the lack of structure in it. Like, you know, how many portions of this? How many portions of this? It's a bit flexible, isn't it? Um, which has its benefits um, and has its drawbacks. Like, I think flexibility is important within structure. And I think that's what I as a coach as well have learned over the years. Like, it's easy to go from rigid, like this is your meal plan, all the way we've gone to like, you don't, you just eat whatever calories you want, go eat whatever you want. And actually it's a bit, there's almost too many decisions. So we come in together. And that brings me to the final one, which is calorie counting. Um, which is, if you look at all the diets out there, like um, a lot of them that make you count points and all of that, they the aim is to lower your calories. The good thing about actually calorie counting is you get awareness of what's in foods. And that's what's actually in the foods. There's no equation, no secret equation that they've done to make sure that you try and eat more filling foods. It's more like, okay, an avocado is the same calories as this. One will keep me more full than other, but I know if I eat this um, hot cross bun, we're getting into Easter now. If I eat this hot cross bun, you know, at the end of the day, although it's not as nutritious as an avocado, whatever, I know it's the same calories. And as long as I know that it's not gonna keep me as full up, I don't need to go off the rails of it. And I think there's that, that education 
element to that, which can set us up long term to actually eating in a mindful way without calorie counting. But I appreciate that straight away when you know you got lots on, busy at work, etc., having to track everything calories is, is a bit of a pain. So then it's a case of, okay, what about the hand size guide? Something that we talk about a lot. Hand size portion of protein with every meal. Can you start there? We know that protein with every meal reduces your hunger. It helps keep you fuller for longer. It can help with recovery in terms of muscle. So in terms of a weight management tool, that can be a great one. As many veggies as you want. A fist size carb at every meal. You're, you're getting in a bit of a structure. And these are the types of things we talk about in our five-day kickstart, which starts on Monday, the 9th of January, by the way. If you're in on that, I'll put the link uh, below to register for that. It's Monday, the 9th of January, which will soon come around. So I hope that was helpful. That was three parts. If you want to go back and watch them all, uh, they'll be on the podcast uh, and also lower down on this page, but they'll be in a row on the podcast, which should be quite helpful. So uh, thank you for joining me in on here. Let me know your biggest take home and anything that you have tried before. Morning soon. Anything you haven't tried before. Any diet that you've got any questions on that I've maybe missed. There's so many. There's no way I've, I've done them all on here. Like I can think about four more off the top of my head now. Um, but yeah. So any questions, let me know. Have an awesome new year and I'll see you next year. It's the last morning chat of the year. I've decided.